Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm Annie. And, and this, this is Charitable Theology. Another week, another dollar. That's not a phrase. People don't say that. <laughs> you do. I do. You do, apparently. Yeah, man. I say things. <laughs> so, Annie, what are you drinking for this? Ooh, we're doing this. What's your Starbucks order? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm super basic, so when it's the fall, I get a PSL, which... Mm-hmm. If you don't know, which I'm sure you do, but PSL just stands for pumpkin spice latte. If you don't know, now you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so Who were you PSL? quoting? Who were you quoting? What what song was that from? Oh, it's a rap song. I know it's a rap song, but which like who who does that? If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, it's it's a notorious B.I.G. I had a feeling uh, I knew that. I got I so nervous that, yeah. to say it and then be wrong. Okay, you, so you're right. So in the fall it's a pumpkin spice latte. Um, but throughout the year, have the church calendar would call this ordinary time. Yes, yes. <laughs> what are you drinking ordinary uh, time? Oh my goodness. Yes, in ordinary time, I can't really hone it down to just one drink. I'm not one of those like, oh, this is, if it's you're, just If you are sweating balls outside, then yeah. Oh, okay, because we do live in, in Arizona. So, I usually get a venti iced coffee with seven pumps of vanilla and extra cream. Seven specifically because it's the holy number. It's well, the number of completeness. Yes, I do it because it's the holy number. It's that's exactly why. No, because so vente comes with six pumps. Like that's just what it comes okay. with, whatever sweetener you get. Okay. Um, so you just need one more. but I just need one more because I, it's just not enough. It, but if you know me, like if I if I'm making coffee at home, I will generally just drink it black. Like right. I love my coffee black. It Starbucks with clear bottle. Yes, that when I go there, I need something in it. I to I don't know, cover it up, I guess. Yes, exactly. So that's my ice drink. But then if I'm ordering a hot drink, which I'm always switching it up because I'm not like just one thing and that's all I get. Does temperature outside dictate this or is it just mood? Like if you're in enough air conditioning, you'll go out and enjoy it. Yes, exactly. I'm a mood person for sure. I'll either drink a London Fog, which is Earl Grey steamed milk and vanilla. It's amazing. Sounds like a hipster. Yes, yes. I guess it, I guess it could be a hipster thing. Or basic here, I get a vanilla latte. If I'm not in the mood for a vanilla latte, I usually get a dirty chai, which is it's a chai tea latte, and they put a shot of espresso in it or two if you're feeling extra dirty. Yes, always, <laughs> always. What's yours? So I used to be a regular Starbucks person, not just like regular, but like regular, regular. Like it was stressful. Cody, my husband, he, when he lived on the Marine Corps base, they don't, they didn't, I mean, there wasn't even a Starbucks in the general vicinity of the base. It took 15 minutes to get off base because it's a huge base. And then once he was off base, even then it was another 15 to 20 minutes to get to Starbucks. And this was like back in the day when I was very South Orange County, very (laughs) privileged. (laughs) This was a like big life crisis for me. I don't live that life anymore. I've had three kids. I don't like spending $7 on a cup of coffee. And it turns out I really just love cream and sugar and good flavors. And coffee just is an added bonus. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's now it's like a treat. So, when I get it, I get something sweet because I have a huge sweet tooth. And because it's a treat and I'm not drinking it on the reg, um, usually, right, right, like right now because it's winter, I'm doing – uh, hot mocha grande because it doesn't have sugar in it. <laughs> and I don't think grande makes it much better. I get a grande hot mocha with two pumps of coffee now. 
And yeah, if you haven't tried it, it's, I mean, it's worth a shot. It's pretty good. How do you come up with that? Like the idea to put toffee nut in your mocha? I I have no idea. I have no idea. I just am creative that way. (laughs) Because when it comes to sugar, I can just find any way to make things good. I think is the real answer to that question. And then in the summertime, I will go full frappuccino. But I'll be honest with you, I get it with no whip. And it's not because I don't love whipped cream. And it's not because I'm calorie conscious. It's because I do not like the dome lid. It has to be a flat lid or nothing. Interesting. And I'm pretty militant about that. Like, if they give me a dome lid, like, sometimes they're nice and they pour a little bit extra in and they put a dome lid so that you can get the extra bit of it. Like, I'll ask for a flat lid. Nicely, kindly, respectfully, I will ask for a flat lid because I do not love a dome lid. But I don't think it's as good as they used to. I one time gave it up for two years for a building company, but it's great. Wow, you really gave it up for two years? I did. I drank it when I got gift cards because I wasn't, I felt like I felt like I wasn't spending my money on it, and mm-hmm. so I didn't think that that was, like, going against yeah, it doesn't the count. sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> but I did give it up for the whole two years of that building company. Self-control. Super, Girl, you're my I hero. I mean, fruit of the spirit, man. Fruit of the spirit. <laughs> okay, so the first thing that we'll be talking about, kind of how having living a Christ-centered life affects how we speak. And so the two things we were ta- thinking about in that were cursing and sarcasm. And then our topic after that is going to be the idea of relational capital and the role it plays in sharing the gospel. Oh, man. Well, I grew grew up in a home where, like, saying crap was was a bad word. And I was, like, very against even saying crap. Um, But I love to read. I was... Homeschooled, Ooh, cringe. No, I was homeschooled. Um, and by the way, she is very normal socially. I'll just put it out there for all those homeschoolers. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I'm I'm very awkward, but it's just, that's just kind of my personality. I don't think it was because I was homeschooled, but but yeah, I can hold up a conversation pretty decently, and I know how to make friends somewhat. But yeah, so being homeschooled, we just very very much valued, you know reading and literature. I'm a huge word person and books are my favorite thing in the whole world besides, okay, they're not my whole favorite thing in the whole world, but they're one of my, they're very much in the top. And so I just learned to appreciate words and how they can be used and how they can be used to get a point across. And, and you know, whether that's in poetry or whatever form, and so with all of that being said, I, I sort of came to this position that sometimes it was necessary if you're trying to make a very strong point. You know, there's different, you know, books or plays or pieces of poetry where a very strong word might be used. And I think if you just, you know, tried to use a, a more lighthearted word or something cleaner, you may be couldn't get a point across as well and so I mean I I do think there's a time and a place for it so you curse I curse I do I won't read that from you so do I but I'll get to that later yeah so I I just I, I came to this position where I think if it's done tastefully and appropriately and I certainly struggle to do it tastefully and appropriately sometimes I just am pretty big potty mouth but I've really tried to 
learn the value in using it appropriately. And I feel like there's a time in the Bible where somebody cusses. Doesn't Peter cuss after he denies Christ? I think, I don't know that he cusses. I think that he cursed, like he used a curse to um, to strengthen his denial of Christ, but I don't think it was a curse word like we think of them today. Oh, okay, so I thought it, I thought he used a word that in that day very much would have been as if he was cussing. That might be true. Yeah, I, I know a pastor said that one time, but I don't know if, if it's true. He's I think Greek he was. Now. I mean, he was a Presbyterian, so he's very, um, you know. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So, I, again, I have no idea if Peter cussed or not. I thought, I, my understanding was that he, like, cursed, like, actually used a curse to strengthen his denial. But either way, I think as I've already sold myself out, that I cussed. And I've gone through kind of ups and downs and backs and forths of this of, you know, is it wrong to cuss or is it bad to cuss? And I think that my position has just kind of become, and, I, you know, I reserve the right to change this later on down the road as I mature, but my position has just kind of landed on there's nuance. I think there's a time where it's okay to use a word like Annie was saying to emphasize a point. I do not think it is okay to use a word you know, I don't think it's okay to call someone a curse word. I don't think it's okay to, I don't think it's okay to, I don't think it's okay to curse even around someone, even if it's not at someone. I don't think it's okay to curse around someone who is not okay with cursing. I think that that falls under mm -hmm. causing a brother or sister to stumble. I think we better not be doing anything that's against First Thessalonians 5.11, where we're supposed to be using our words to build each other up. And I don't think that there's any excuse to not do that. But I think that if we're just being honest, the words that we consider curse words, the four-letter words, those didn't exist. I mean, the words as we know them today did not exist. There aren't even variations of them in the time that the Bible was written. So I'm sure that they had their own versions of curse words, right? Like Annie was saying that maybe Peter used a strong word that would have been considered offensive. I And I think that I have I don't have a formed opinion on this, so maybe I shouldn't be talking about it. But I actually think that there are places, there's somewhere where the idea of, you know, it talks about offensive speech, not to use offensive speech. And I think that in my study, I've kind of come across that it, the Bible might be referring to like scatological talk, like potty talk, <laughs> that that like that is unbecoming of a Christian. So I, but that also maybe leans into a bias of mine where I don't even really like that kind of talk, anyways. But that kind of like being unnecessarily dirty in your speech or using your speech, using your choice of words to make yourself sound dirtier or edgier. Like I think that that is that is antithetical to what god created language for and so i think that like i said like i think my position has come down to kind of nuance like when i'm sitting in a room with someone like you who you're not offended by cursing you're not offended by that and you're you understand if it's being used you understand the difference between it being used to emphasize a point or it being used against you or in a way that would be demeaning towards you then i think that like i don't know I think that my position is that it's a heart issue. If my heart is is to is to build people up in my language and my heart is to be as kind as I possibly can be, then like maybe a well-placed F-bomb to emphasize a dramatic point that I'm making. If it's not offensive to the person I'm speaking to, I don't 
I don't know that there is a huge issue with it. I think, right, like, so Annie and I have made it a point not to cuss on this podcast. And and um, if we do, we'll probably be editing it, editing it out <laughs> because our intention is not to offend anyone. Our intention is not to be unduly edgy. We don't need to be the cool Christians. You know, that isn't our goal. Our goal is to magnify and glorify the name of God. And so, so like, I don't need to cuss on here to do that. And I don't think we need to cuss in everyday language. And there have certainly been periods of time where I did not cuss. Here's another thing. I married a Marine. And where I say, um, as my verbal pause, Marines use the F word as a verbal pause. F in this, and we did F in that, and we F in went over F in there, and literally, it's insanity. And so my husband has cut down a lot on the F bomb since getting out of the Marine Corps. But I'll just tell you, my family, the majority of my extended family is not Christian. They wouldn't proclaim Christ. And they do what they like to refer to as recreational cussing. <laughs> and so, right, this is the kind of cussing that I'm talking about where you don't, it's not, I mean, not, I'm not saying that they and I have never done it to be unkind to people, but that the point is not to be unkind, but to be funny or to emphasize speech. And I think that I think that, that can be morally neutral. I saw a post today, uh, but it was somebody that I didn't know who posted it, and, and I'm not speaking to their character or their understanding of the Bible. All I'm saying is I saw this post, but... He posted about like, hey, if you're fasting and you're still cussing, you should you might as well just eat. And I was like, wow, does my cussing take away from the spiritual practice of fasting? Like they were putting it on the level of fornicating. Like the next line was, if you're fornicating, fasting and that is it. And I'm like, bro, I don't know that cussing is on the same level as sex outside of marriage. Mostly because I don't see anywhere that the Bible really explicitly prohibits the cuss words that we use today. As long as, right, in this nuanced capacity where we're not using it against people. Like, man, if I dropped an F-bomb in my speech, my fasting is ineffective? Yeah, I don't I don't think that those are even closely, like, those are not even on the same level. Like, are we really comparing cussing to being as bad as fornification? Like... I don't know, that seems just a little extreme to me. In the in the idea of like that that has messed up your whole time of fasting. Like what specifically about saying a, a cuss word takes away from your fast? I mean, you're not gonna do everything perfectly. I just think we have to be careful about calling a sin something that the Bible doesn't explicitly call a sin. Yeah. Right? Like no one in the Bible didn't say thou shalt not drop an f-bomb right right does say that fornication is a sin right like it does say that sex outside of marriage is sin explicitly and i think that the places where the bible doesn't explicitly lay out a sin it is dangerous to examine it now i think you can explicitly say to tear someone down with a word is sinful mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if those words include cuss words or not i can say or try tear you down with my words. I mean, I can say it in a really nice, nice backhanded way. And it's a sin to do so. So I think that sometimes we aren't thinking deeply enough about what we consider sinful or wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. So I'd like to hear what you guys have to th- say. Like, have you thought about this subject? Do you cuss? Do you not cuss? Do you think it's crazy that we cuss? Are we not good Christians? I don't know. 
I'm just interested to hear what your point of view is. And then the next part of that kind of um, topic one point B is um, how we use sarcasm. So I would say that sarcasm is one of my favorite forms of communication <laughs> and maybe the language I'm most fluent. I think it's dangerous to make someone feel stupid so that you can feel smart or make someone or make someone look stupid so you can feel funny. Um, I think that I was raised in a family that highly valued being funny and smart. And it was take no prisoners, man. That was the life we lived. And it didn't matter if you were seven or 70, you were in the line of fire if you opened your mouth. Like you, anybody had permission to take down what you said. The funny, witty comeback. And I didn't know that that was maybe not the environment that everybody grew up in. And so I spent a lot of my life being unkind with my words without knowing it, just for the sake of being funny. And so I think that, I, like, I think that probably maybe some of that looked like bullying in a way that I didn't mean it to or never would have intended. But just looking back on it, I think, oh, man, that there are things that I probably said or ways that I probably bulldozed people where I didn't even realize that I didn't even take into consideration how they were feeling. I just wanted to look funny to people. And I think, I mean, I have a lot of regrets around that or a lot of, I mean, I think that probably if you knew me in high school, you either really loved me and thought I was hilarious or you probably strongly disliked me and felt like I was a total jerk. Rightfully so. I mean, rightfully so. People would have been right to have thought that. And so I have spent a lot of my god-knowing years how do you say that <laughs> I've spent I don't okay I'm gonna be honest I, I don't love Christianese and I really hate the phrase walk with Christ and not because there's anything wrong with it like it, it doesn't make me cringe for other people to say it like it just doesn't sound like something that I would say so anyways I spent a lot of my walk with Christ <laughs> or god-knowing years if I'm going out of my way to not say walk with Christ learning how and it's the same concept, right? Learning how to use words to build people up, not tear them down. In my marriage, we've had to several times spend long periods of time promising not to be sarcastic with one another because sometimes it gets out of hand and we can get our feelings hurt. And so I'm interested to hear what you think because because this has been new territory for me because I am learning to value people more than I value mm. looking funny and it's been difficult for me to shut my mouth and be slow to speak. I know that that passage is in reference to like being, um, you know, you need to be slow to anger and you need to be slow to speak. And this is a fruit of the spirit to have that self-control. But some of that slowness to speak for me is to stop myself from saying the thing that I think would be funniest in the moment because it would be unkind to somebody else. And yeah, I'm just interested in what you think. Yeah, so I I do think that sarcasm can, you know, it's it's funny. Like it can be a good thing. I'm not good at it. My oldest brother was always the very sarcastic one and very quick on his feet and could say something funny and he had great sarcasm and and I think we even had the t-shirts that were like fluent in sarcasm or whatever. So I'm not good at it, but usually for me, I I'm I'm using it this is for me when it's not good is like I'm using it to make myself feel better like I want to be it's, it's usually attention seeking like I want for people to laugh at the things that I say and 
I agree with you. It's not when we're using sarcasm against someone. I, I think a lot of times it's to make ourselves feel better. You know, it, it sometimes it feels like, and this sounds terrible to say, but I do think that this is sometimes the reason we do it. Yeah, it's to make ourselves look better. And it's sometimes, this is so terrible to say, but like sometimes it feels good to to take a jab at someone and but that's so unhealthy and I think that's where it gets really bad is when we are bringing other people down to make ourselves feel better and so you want to feel good for five seconds was being sarcastic in that moment worth it like I don't think so and I think that's so good because it's right it's that upside down kingdom again like we're supposed to use our words to build people up and I think that our natural tendency is to tear people down and build ourselves up and it's just that same it's the same thing right we're going to respect our imago day in somebody else we're going to respect the dignity and the image of god in them and we are going to um, instead of building ourselves up we're going to see the imago day in somebody else and ensure that we are building them up when our natural reaction would be to tear them down that's so good annie thank you thank you okay so that kind of leads into um our next topic which is the relational capital necessary to share the gospel. And so I don't know if you guys have heard the phrase relational capital before, but it's just this idea of like capital, you know, capital like currency. Um, It's this idea that you build up relational capital. The more you do life with someone, the closer you are with them, the, the more right you have to speak into their life or to tell them the truth or to tell them hard things. And so um, it's just this idea that you if your goal is to glorify God, then the gospel and sharing the gospel is large part of that, maybe the entirety of that. (laughs) And your ability to share the gospel is directly tied to how well you're doing relationship with other people. How in your life have you experienced like sharing the gospel with people? Is it difficult for you? Is it easy for you? Is it how what has been the most effective way for you to share the gospel what is the best way there you go the, explain the gospel okay y'all y'all about to get a, a word from me uh so the gospel is the good news right like gospel literally means good news and the good news is that jesus came to earth and the son of god he came but he was also fully man he died on the cross for our sins he is the salvation of sinners that's the gospel and the good news is only good news without the bad news right you mm-hmm. have to be aware if if someone is unaware that they have sin then what are they need a savior for right mm-hmm. so how do you help people be aware of the bad news then? okay so I grew up in a home um, where my dad was very good at sharing the gospel. He he was always in, inviting people into our home, neighbors, people he worked with, people he would meet through like chatting forums. And so, did you just say chatting forums? Yeah, my like dad. Like the internet, like chat rooms? Yeah, yeah. My dad was like restoring a car at one point, and so he... He would be in these different like car forms, like he was building a a Chevy, and so yeah, yeah, and so I, even though my relationship with my dad is as broken, and that was one thing I very much admired about him is um his ability to really do that whole like Romans what is it eight twenty eight like for a man's name is the gospel, right? So I think I'm quoting all one, but it's it's in Romans. 
um, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and, and he wasn't. And for me, that made it, it made me feel like I could be comfortable in doing that. I'm not good at it, but I, I'm also not afraid of it. And so ways I'm intentional about, intentional about it is I, I read my Bible in public and oftentimes that starts conversations. Uh, a lot of my tattoos are sort of my testimony. And so, you know, people get to ask like, oh, well, what does that mean? And so I, I get to share that with them. And a lot of times for me, it's just like striking up conversation with people in places and, and just a lot of times those conversations over something so random usually lead into conversations about Christ. And just, um, I think if we can be bold in, in being intentional and just befriending people, I think that is just such a simple way, you know, because it opens a door to be able to share. And I also go out of my way to be friends with people that I wouldn't normally be friends with or that I don't think I would normally be friends with. And I've been able to share the gospel that way and just uh, share, you know, because they do, they live such different lifestyles and they do things that I don't do. And so it's an opportunity for me to not condemn them, but I have that ground of being their friend. And so I can oftentimes, it, you know, it'll come to each other in our friendship like, oh, why don't you do that? Well, because I, I don't I don't think that is making their life better. And I, I don't think that it's something that I, I should be doing. And I get to like explain why and all that stuff. So that's sort of how I go about it. So I don't know. What about you? I mean, that's a good question. I think that in my marriage, like we always say that my husband has the spiritual gift of evangelism. Like kind of a joke is, is if you've ever worked with my husband, you've probably visited our church <laughs> and and that's pretty accurate. That's how we know a lot of our friends is who've gotten them to come to our church. And so he's got this beautiful, I think it's a gifting from the spirit of um, being able to convince people at least try church which is amazing it is amazing he's come so far <laughs> but um and then we I, like kind of we say that i'm the I, I tend to be a little bit more of the discipler that um where i'm a little awkward like i just have a hard time i have like social anxiety and i have a hard time it's so funny because people at our church are like what are you talking about and it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, people at our church don't hard. sound like that but I think what they don't realize, right, is that this church that we go to has been my home for four and a half years. And the first two years, I had almost no friends. I mean, like a year and a half, I had almost no friends. I had a hard time talking to people. I had a hard time connecting. I was in service. And then, I mean, I think people forget. I think you forget. For a really long time, that was Cody's wife. Like, that is how people knew of me because I was like this big bearded guy who was outgoing. I was his wife. Um, and I, by the way, I loved that. And people don't realize that the place that we go to church now is my home. And when you're at home, you are yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when it's not your home, when it wasn't my home, when I was still learning about it and still kind of getting comfortable there, I was a little awkward and I didn't have a lot of friends and I didn't speak up as much. But that place is my home now. And so the people who know me from church see me as like, outgoing and you know energetic and maybe immediately friendly and that's because that's my home because I'm comfortable because I don't have like 
we have five services and I can go to a service and I'm going to for sure know somebody sitting down in service. I'm for sure probably going to know somebody on stage. And this has just been going there long enough that I know enough people that that place is my home and I'm safe there. But like, if you get me like at a party where I only know one person, I'm going to be glued to that person's side the whole time. Um, I'm going to be really uncomfortable the second they go to their bathroom. It's going to be a fight not to just stare at my phone so I don't feel awkward. I, I, and so <laughs> it's funny because um, the people who know me from church don't um, have a good grasp on the fact that, like, I really am socially awkward. The church is just too small. And so it's easy for me to be my, the, the most myself there because those are my peeps. And also I can, I always just say I can do anything for Jesus. So, like, the boldness I have in teaching, the boldness I have in proclaiming the truth, that is way different than, like, my personality. That is a conviction of faith. But anyways, that's a lot about me. And what I meant to be talking about is that where my husband is very good at bringing in the stranger, I am a little bit better at, I'm a little bit better at, like, doing life. Like, we do life together, right? Like, that's a very Christian thing to say, like, but I'm I'm a little bit better at like walking alongside people in their faith walk. And I don't mean better than him. I mean that my quality is that I don't do well at speaking to the stranger, but I do really well at like bringing the stranger in and making them feel like family once they're already there, once I already know them. I think that I um, am pretty good at building that relational capital that we were talking about where I am pretty good about, you know, checking in on my friends and making sure that I can hear them out or having them in my home to read the Bible together or, you know, we do a lot of dinners, we do a lot of like hangouts and get togethers in our big group of friends and and then I get to know them personally one on one and and the more I know them personally, the easier it is for me to speak truth into their lives. And so if I see something that isn't isn't maybe what the word of God would say God has for them it is easier for me to say, hey, is this what God has for you? Is this, let me share, let me share my experience with you in, in whatever area you're struggling in. Or let me, um, let me tell you what the Bible has to say about this. Man, it's way more effective if I've had those people in my home, if they know that I love them, if I'm sitting next to them in church, if I'm, you know, if I'm watching their kids for them, it's, it's effective for me to say, hey, I see this thing in your life. Is this the best that God has for you? than if like I'm in a Facebook comment war with somebody, you know, <laughs> or if I'm in like, you know, I don't know if y'all did 2016 on Facebook. It wasn't good. And I'm not really looking forward to 2020. I know Annie quit Facebook in 2016 for a little bit. I did. I did. And then I literally, I literally only got it back because I was serving with the youth in our church. And that was like sort of the only way that all of us who were serving communicated with each other but I was done with it I was it was the worst I because I just I couldn't take the sides and everyone bashing each other and like I posted this long thing like oh man I went off like I was being pretty cheesy but I was just like you know ultimately Jesus is the king of kings and yeah y'all need Jesus Peace out. Bye, y'all. And right, that probably, I mean, I understand your motivation in that. And I did so much of that. But then it was like, man, this is not nearly as effective as just, like, loving someone well and walking alongside them in life. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like some some, sometimes people can feel like, okay, I've shared the gospel on my Facebook wall twice this week. And, And I guess my question is, like, have you ever changed your opinion from being on Facebook? You know, like, I don't feel like you change your opinion from seeing a Facebook post. 
maybe it can make you sing. And the Holy Spirit can absolutely work through anything. I'm not saying don't pray for that piece of country stuff. Mm. It's just like, if you're counting that as like whatever your gospel sharing brownie points, <laughs> maybe reconsider because you don't have a lot of relationships happening with with people you only interact with on the internet. You know, your relational capital is with the people you have in real life that you're interacting with. And I mean, I don't have. Here's the thing: is like I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have small kids. They, you know, I, we homeschool my oldest. I don't have like a ton of a of interaction with people outside of church and so i have to really go out of my way to find non-christians um other than my close family uh so i go to the same gas station every time i need gas i go to the same gas station i mean unless it's an emergency and i've gotten to know some of the people that work at that gas station and we talk and we banter and and i'm just trying to build a relationship with them and i go to the same starbucks when i do go to starbucks you know and and so they're starting to recognize me a little bit. I also, if you've seen on Instagram, have ridiculous glasses that help everyone recognize me. <laughs> and I'm like, they're glasses for the gospel, man, because the they people do remember me a little bit more with these things, which was not a reason I got them. They were a fashion choice, believe it or not, whether or not you like them. They were my fashion choice. I love that. Glasses for the gospel. <laughs> but, you know, it's just this idea that, like, I even if it may be a little bit inconvenient, I do try and build relationships because it would be really easy for me to just stay in my little christian bubble and never know anybody outside of church and you know what praise god he did put me with a man who gets people into church and and brings people to the church because that does help me a lot with um, being able to talk to people who don't know jesus because if it was just me and i wasn't trying at all it would be so easy for me to not ever meet a new christian (laughs) or i mean not ever meet people who are not christians yeah i think it'd be kind of difficult trying to like share our, our faith on like facebook and social media and i think we also need to be careful about it too like what else are we posting because mm. if we're not if we're not honoring god with our other posts and the other things we're sharing about our life and then we come out here with a bible verse or a prayer how is that going to look that that can, that's going to be very confusing to a lot of people and rightfully so and so I think we need to be very careful about the ways we're sharing and making sure that when we are sharing our faith, you know, it aligns with the other, the other things that we're posting as well, because we don't want to misrepresent. Yeah. And I think, right. We like Annie and I were joking about this earlier. Like there's a, our church has these like stickers that you can put on your car and a lot of people do like, there's a reason why there's not one of those on my car. And it's not because I don't love Rep in my church. It's because I'm probably like not a conscientious enough driver to be repping the body of Christ. Like I do try and be considerate of other people, but I'm just like, I'm just not the greatest driver in the whole world. It's okay. Like God forgives me, but I don't want to be repping Christ while I'm not driving well. Right. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> while I'm accidentally cutting people off. I don't want to be repping Christ. And it's the same way. Like I want my life be consistent and when my life is inconsistent with what I believe I want to openly and freely admit that and I want to apologize for it and and so it needs to be that way on social media and it needs to be that way in real life also like I need to be able to you know I I don't want to just go to church on Sunday and then Monday my life doesn't look anything like what I see in the bible right and in the same way like are you posting whatever are you posting about how you need to get up, rid of all your toxic friendships and how people aren't meeting your needs and how 
you know, sexually explicit memes or, you know, and then, and then sharing the gospel. Like, is that a, is that a good representation of your faith or is that something that maybe you need to reconsider? Hmm. Yeah, this whole conversation is making me wonder if I'm doing this well over social media. Because, like, I like to share, I'm very into, like, annotating my Bible, so, like, I highlight a lot, and I write in the margins, you know, I just, I love studying God's Word, and a lot of times I, I share it, and I hope that it touches, you know, not just my believing friends, but, you know, maybe, cat, you know, somebody notices it, and, and it could encourage them in some way. Yeah, it's not the only way to go about sharing the gospel, and... Do you think it's the only way you share? No, I don't. If it's not the only but way, then it's a good thing. It, it is a good thing, but, you know, just this whole conversation has made me, like, I'm thinking about my posts, like, okay, I'm a pretty well-rounded, am I, 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 I think I am. I think you are. I've not ever gotten any, I mean, I, I think you know as well as I do that I would have called you out by now if you were being inconsistent in your social yeah, media posts. Yeah, true, true. And none of us are ever 100% consistent. Like, that's the thing is, that's the whole point. Like, you know, there's this quote that I stole thousands of years ago from this guy who in a class at my church in California. And he said, Christians are not in competition to be any better than their neighbor. They're only in competition to be more honest than their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, I don't need to be perfect to represent Christ well, but I do need to repent when mm-hmm. I am imperfect and I need to apologize to the people that have disrespected me. I need to say, hey, this did not represent my belief system well. The way I spoke, the way I acted, the way I posted was not an accurate representation of what I believe or the views that I hold. They're not an accurate representation of the Christ that I follow. And I need to more carefully realign my my speech or my behaviors to that. And I need to I need to be willing to say that so that God can work through my weaknesses. Because it's not the fact that I'm perfect that God is glorified, but it's the fact that he can love even a sinner like me. Girl, that's good. Ain't that the gospel, yo? Yeah. Like, man, we were talking about earlier, what is the gospel? The gospel is to know, you know, you know, Romans 1 tells you, you know in your heart that you are not meeting the standard that you should be meeting. Everyone has that in their heart. Everyone has that discontentment in their heart. Whether you profess faith in Christ or not, you know in your heart that you are not meeting the standard that you should be meeting. When Maybe when you compare yourself to the people around you, you look good. But when you compare yourself to a holy God, when you compare yourself to creator of the universe, compare yourself to the God of the Bible, man, you're slipping. You don't, I mean, you just... You don't look good, but the gospel is that you don't have to, and you don't have to strive, and you don't have to be perfect, and you don't have to be better, and you don't have to clean yourself up to get there. The gospel is that the God, the creator of the universe, entered into his creation, walked alongside us, taught us, and then died for us so that his blood could cover all of our sins and that we could be washed clean. And that when we stand in that blood and profess the faith in Christ, that we are then indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are made clean. We are able to come to God, and we are able to look more and more like Him. But it is not before we come to God that we start to meet that standard. It is after we come to God. We don't start trying to meet that standard before we even profess that He is. We don't try and clean ourselves up to get there. We come broken and say, I acknowledge that I'm broken. I see all the ways that I am failing. Can you love me anyway? And God's answer to that is always yes. 
Yes, and amen. Yes, and amen. All right, you ready to do recommendations, Miss Annie? Yes, yes, okay. I'm ready. Okay. Okay, so my recommendation today is what just what to do when you are not feeling the fire, you don't feel like reading your Bible, you're reading it and you're not you feel like you're not getting anything out of it. And I think it's so much easier said than done. But man, it's just it's something that I would just say just do it out of obedience and heart check yourself because I mean, for me a lot of times I'm noticing that you know when I'm not feeling good when I'm discouraged or I'm coveting or one of the things that other people have it's because I'm not in my word but but what do you do to get motivated to be in the word well I think the first place like I like to start is just asking God for help and God motivate me help me to want this and to just do it because if we do things out of obedience I really believe that God will he blesses those things. And I think another thing, one of my big recommendations is make the environment cozy. Like if you like reading, you know, with a candle on, light a candle. If you like to be snuggled up, like snuggle up with a blanket, uh, grab your coffee, um, maybe make a basket where all of your Bible stuff, your highlighters, your pens, your sticky notes are all together and you just have it ready to go and put it in a place that's visible. Don't be sticking your Bible at the back of a bookshelf. Put it in a place where you're going to wake up, and that is one of the first things you see. Yeah, that's my recommendation. I like it. My reco is, since we were talking about the gospel a lot in this episode, I thought we'd just go to uh, the master of sharing the gospel, uh, the Jedi Knight himself, Tim Keller. So I want to recommend, well, I recommend all of the Tim Keller, whatever, I mean, he is a former pastor at Redeemer Church in New York, um, and he is just brilliant. But um, and he has like you can look up podcasts. He has I think um, his like sermons are posted on a podcast called like The Gospel in Life or something like that. But my recommendation specifically is to read The Reason for God. If you have like more questions about the gospel or if you want a little bit more clarity on it, The Reason There's no better resource than The Reason for God by Tim Keller. It's just a really wonderful book. It was really helpful for clarifying things for me, even after I was a believer, and just really um, putting a pinpoint focus on the gospel is and how it how it applies to our lives as believers and as non-believers. Okay, you guys, thanks for joining us for another episode. Yeah, let us know how you're liking it. Yes, so just do us a favor. If you're enjoying this, subscribe. That's going to be super helpful to us. Um, share us with just everyone in the whole world that you know, please. Just all the people. Share us everywhere. <laughs> and then you can leave like comments and ratings on um, whatever podcast catcher you're listening to us on. It'll just be really helpful for us to get the word out there about our podcast. We're a new podcast. We'd just be really grateful for the help getting the word out there about us. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you again next week.